Greetings, that kind of nerd podcast listener. Um, I have to say, this has probably been one of the most anticipated episodes that, that we've done. Uh, we are interviewing author of the Pixar Theory, John Negroni. We talked about the Pixar Theory in episode 12, and we did a mediocre job explaining it. Uh, and afterwards, John actually reached out to us and said, hey, thanks for talking about it. And we were like, hey, how about you come on our show and show us how it's really done? Uh, so John was gracious enough to, to offer up an hour plus of his time to talk about Pixar and Nerdum. Uh, so we also want to make sure that we can support John as a big thank you uh, for taking the time out of his day to come talk to us. So simple things. Go to johnnegroni.com. A link will be in our show notes. So you can read about Pixar, some reviews that he's done. And he also has his wonderful podcast called Now Conspiring, where he and a group of his friends talk about art, about nerd culture, about movies. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of entertaining. They have a question of the week every week. Uh, definitely fun to go ahead and, and be part of the show. So go find Now Conspiring on iTunes or on Stitcher. Again, links will be in the show notes. And the other way you can go ahead and show some love is to actually go ahead and buy the Pixar Theory book. Uh, it's really nice. It's very thorough, but not clinical. It's written uh, very relaxed in the fact that you feel like you're talking to your friend who's explaining you this theory. Uh, so it's quite simple. Just just go to slimbooks.com slash Pixar Theory. That's slimbooks.com slash Pixar Theory and pick up your copy. A digital copy is $7, but if you're old fashioned, you like old pen and, and you like paper, uh, it's only a dollar more, $8 for a physical version of the book. So, again, thank you to John Negroni for taking the time out of his busy day uh, to talk to us. Uh, and I'm really excited to bring this episode to you. So, without further ado, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of the That Kind of Nerd podcast. Uh, right now, it's just Brian and I. Josh, unfortunately, uh, cannot join us for this episode. Uh, but don't get sad, because we actually have author and Pixar fanatic, um, John Negroni, author of The Pixar Theory, joining us today. Uh, we had actually talked about The Pixar Theory in episode 12. Uh, we were so enamored with it that we just we had to have the opportunity to, to get John on in a Give him the opportunity to help explain it better to to you guys. So thank you, John, so much for joining us. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. It's it's cool to be here. Um, happy to talk with you guys. I, I know you you had a third, and uh, he heard I was coming, and kind of you know decided not to show up. That's cool though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds about Josh's nature. You know, he he, he saw you were going to outshine him, so he decided to bail out. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, John, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you, um, so that way people who maybe haven't heard of you or aren't really familiar with what we're talking about Which can just have an shame idea shame if you haven't heard of John. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Uh, so I live in the Bay Area. Uh, I'm a copywriter, and uh, I also write uh, fiction and short fiction, and I have a website, uh, johnnagroni.com. So if you haven't heard of me, you definitely haven't heard of my website, I think. Um, but I guess my, my claim to fame is uh, the Pixar theory. I wrote this blog article a few years ago about how all the Pixar movies are put together, uh, or they you know share a universe. And yeah, I guess that's how most people know me. Um, I also play the ukulele. I don't think not a lot of people know that I do that. So um, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have like a couple sitting in my in my room right now. And you know, you write all day. You know, play some music at night. You guys get it. I don't have the musical talent in my body at all, unfortunately. You're you're the sound guy, right? 
except for singing well yeah all right I, you know that part but i mean like i can't create music at all i can't play any instruments i just don't have that kind of coordination there's not going to be like a uh, that kind of nerd band or anything you know Ooh, Ooh. we could if it were if it were the game rock band i could do that you're a copywriter stop giving us great ideas <laughs> <laughs> sure it's you just need to a line or something i got you <laughs> uh, now we have to give you a, a royalty fee every time we go ahead and do something now with that kind of nerd band Sure, sure. Uh-huh. My guitar will be in the shape of it'll just say T K O N, and that'll be it. Yeah, that, not like the shape of the guitar, and then I'll figure out the logistics after that. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. You want the shape of the guitar to be in the shape of T K O N? Yeah, why not? I think it'll work. Trademark, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. If John says it's gonna work, it's gonna I, work. I think so. I know San Francisco has like you know instrument places. Like they make all kinds of weird stuff over here. See, problem solved. We moved to San Francisco, CJ. Where, where, where are you guys? I actually don't know this. Oh, yeah, we're based out of Pennsylvania, actually. Which is nothing like San Francisco. Absolutely nothing like I it. I hear it's like <laughs> the same, though, but okay, sure. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania and San Francisco, we, we both get the same amount of snow, right? That's that's how... I don't think... I think you guys have, like, actual seasons, and... Yes. Yeah, mm, we don't get any of that, so enjoy your, you know, your leaves. Seasons are overrated, John. Don't worry. <laughs> You get the best seasons. You still have seasons. You just skip all the crappy ones. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. good, actually. Like, it was like, I was like, you know, swimming on, you know, and going to the beach in October. So, yeah, I won't complain anymore. Sorry. The other thing I saw on your on your bio here for Twitter, uh, which I also went on to John Negroni for a while and just trolling around, not stalking, I swear to God, uh, and that you're, you're a film critic as well. Uh, you know, watching your, listening to your, your podcast, Now Conspiring. Uh, which is actually pretty cool. We're going to make sure that we talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, you guys also take some time to discuss movies, which we love. I heard. Um, yeah, <laughs> quite literally. Get it? Because he heard the podcast. <laughs> I get it. I've heard, I've heard you guys talk about movies once or twice. It's You have to excuse our awful sense of humor. I can't blame My you. sense of humor is amazing. That's That one helps you sleep better at night, Brian. That's what my mom tells me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I am a film critic. Um, I, I only recently became a professional uh, at it. You have to hit like a certain uh, number of like published reviews to do it. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I took a few journalism classes in school. I was a journalist with ABC News and CBS Sports for a while. And, uh, you know, I have like the I, I guess you, I have like that loose credibility, but I'm, you know, I'm an online film critic. So it's like Maybe I should have put the online before in my Twitter bio. So no, no, it's fine. No matter what, even if you put online, you're still above our caliber. So <laughs> Brian and I are out of our depth now. I'm sorry, Brian worked at Blockbuster, so it was pretty much a work, uh, walking IMDb. So if you ever do need to find out how two movies could uh, you know, be connected by actors or actresses, Brian's got that covered for you. I'm pretty good at that game. You should guest on my podcast then because nobody can ever remember anything. <laughs> yep, that's what you need Brian for. He's I, was, I was the guy at Blockbuster. Someone would walk in and be like, hey, there's that movie with that guy. And in it, he like gets abducted and goes to space. I was like, oh, Mysterious Skin. And he's like, yeah, that's it. Like, I'm weird like that. You must, be, you must be a big fan of Reddit's uh, tip of the tongue subreddit. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't been on it in a while. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. I could, I could just see you cranking out a whole afternoon just... Oh, yeah, that's Street Fighter. Yeah, there you go. Guys, I had the movie on. This is what it actually is, guys. I'm so sorry. That's why I don't go on there, because I'll just, I won't go to work. I just will waste my entire time doing that. See, that's cool, because, like, the people, the guys on my podcast, I love them, but they're nuts. They're like walking rotten tomatoes. Like, they can kind of give you the gist 
of like a movie right. if they've heard of it. And that's about it. It's fun though. At least a fun conversation is trying to figure it out, which is always what we do too. When we don't know something, it's the, the mad dash to try to figure it out while Brian's just sitting there going, do you just want me to tell you? I'll just tell you. <laughs> I can just tell you. It's not a problem. Um, all right. So, uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about something else. You, I mean, just looking at everything that you've written as well, I mean, I will put you into one of the the roles of you are definitely a Pixar expert. Uh, and reading your book, The Pixar Theory, I can see how you've examined a lot of stills and just looking at footage, uh, DVD extras, specials, interviews, off cuff remarks. Uh, what what attracts you to Pixar as to you know, hey, this is something that maybe I should invest some time in in my life. Well, probably the same thing that attracts you to Pixar. Um, I think, right? Like, I feel like everybody loves Pixar. I am pretty sure not loving Pixar is like the test of whether you're actually truly human. Uh, otherwise, we need to do like robot tests on you. I think I think maybe the kid from Good Son, you know, Macaulay Culkin's character, he's, he probably <laughs> hates Pixar. Uh, That's probably the character. But but most people, I don't. Yeah, I don't you know, th- like Damien from The Omen, he also hates Pixar. Right, right. You, obviously. <laughs> but I think what it is is like. I, I love Pixar as much as anybody else, but uh, I, I don't know. I just I like to take it a step further. I wouldn't say I'm a Pixar expert. I, if, if loving Pixar was like being in college, I'd probably be like a sophomore. Like I'm a little more obsessed with it than I guess like a lot of casual lovers of Pixar. But I'm nowhere near like there are some people who can tell you literally every fact and detail about all of these movies. People who made them. Like they exist. I've, I've met them many times. And so, yeah, but it's, it's like that. It's like that major that when you tell somebody, Hey, this is what I'm st- How do you get it? What do you do with a degree in Pixar? You know, and then you have, well, you write a book like the Pixar theory. I get, well, people, uh, like people maybe, are taking college classes and using my book, like as part of like, <laughs> like people are doing book reports on it in like accredited universities. And it's, it's wild. <laughs> and like, I, I'm being recognized be as like some kind of like Pixar consultant. Um, I, you know, I, I have watched the movies a lot. I've watched them probably, I think there was like one week where I watched all 14 movies, you know, before Inside Out came out. I watched all 14 in like a week and, uh, just, you know, just cranking them out. Brian did that with like phase two Marvel movies. <laughs> he watched, I mean, everything, even including all the one shots and everything on the special features to see the entire story all the way up to the phase two development. I wonder which is like easier then because I, I don't know with Pixar movies, like watching all of them is great, but you still have to watch like cars too. <laughs> That's true. But, the, and then you have to cry during up. I mean, I've never really cried during a Marvel movie like that. I don't think I, I once I watched the first like 15 minutes of up and I'm crying like a baby. I don't know if I can watch something else immediately. After yeah. That. Ant-Man doesn't have that same, you know, even though it's also yeah. <laughs> near Oakland. I, I'd have to say you, you got it a lot harder. It, it, definitely the Pixar movies uh, mess with your emotions a little bit more yeah. than uh, than watching Iron Man fight some aliens. So, I mean, with the exception of Finding Nemo, would you say that the Marvel movies are funnier than Pixar movies? Like we're just talking about comedy. Like which ones have made you uh, laugh the most? I, I I don't know, man. I, I mean, I love those Pixar movies. Uh, honestly, I I read your theory and then I watched them in the order of your theory too. <laughs> so it's uh it, it's funny um, because have you have you heard of the Star Wars Machete Order? Either of you guys? Yes. yes. Right. So like, yes, if, yes we have. If there's a way to watch Star Wars in like a cool kind of order. Is this is there a name for this with all the Pixar movies? Right. Like 
I don't know. Like, what word is? I would say is the Pixar. I would say it would be the the Pixar theory order. Oh man, that's a lot. I of think words. you also get the right to to keep. Oh, well, you want something cooler than that? Uh, maybe like Pizza Planet order or something. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that works. I like Pizza Planet. I like the Pizza Planet order. That's it. Pizza really resonates with people too. I don't know why the other one's called Machete Order. That just does not. It's <laughs> it's the website. Oh. The website is machete order and oh, it tells sense. you what episodes you can cut out like you would cut it with a machete. See, but with Pixar, you don't have to cut anything out. It's more it's, of like it's, it's, all tying, it's, it's string. <laughs> it's string order because you're tying all these movies together with string and observing them or something. Yeah. Oh, that see, that works, too. Yeah, it's sort so, of. So, John, seriously, how many times did you have to watch them, though? I mean, I'm reading your book and I've seen things that I'm like, I don't even think I saw that on my third or fourth viewing. Well, I'm like very egotistical, so I'm looking at my book right now, and uh, yeah, I'm right with you. I don't know where I came up with some of this stuff, uh, but yeah, a lot of times to answer your question, I watched or so like it took me a year to write the the theory like before it was a book, and I think I watched them all about like yeah, I don't know, twelve times each, something like that, and then since I've written the book, I had to double that, so it's like. Jeez. I've watched each movie probably 50 times. With the exception of Carson. Nice. I mean, that's a lot of hours. I'm not saying that I I retained all of it. (laughs) I I really didn't. I didn't I I couldn't. I couldn't just sit there. I I would take notes and stuff, but eventually it all starts to bleed together. Do you guys ever hear about those dudes on that podcast where they watch Grown Ups 2 for like 52 weeks straight? Yes. Right. I actually have not heard about this. Yeah, I think. Please explain it to Brian because Right. Well, yeah, I was, it was, I pretty much descended into madness like those guys. Like any, any movie will do that to you. I think Pixar movies, you won't like, it's not that bad, but it, yeah, after a while, it, you start to overlook everything. So too much of anything can start making you go a little crazy. Well, I mean, I, I mean, we, we know a little bit about how many times you had to watch Pixar and we've been talking about the, the Pixar theory itself. So I, you know, I kind of want to dive into this. And uh, if you listened, so did you listen to the episode where we, I know you left a comment. How far into that episode did you get with us? Uh, and we talked about. I don't remember where I left off. I, I don't think I listened to the whole thing. That's okay. I think I, le- <laughs> I don't remember to be totally honest. You guys just kind of talked about, I've listened more intently on when you were talking about Inside Out, to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, I want to, I want to definitely talk about. Well, hang Inside on. Can we just pause? Think. I just got called fascinating. It's awesome. Yes, you did. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, you've done you've done Brian, to prove that. Brian needs constant reassurance in his life. That's just that's how he works. Uh, part of the days. I was going to say part of the the Pixar theory is that humans are batteries, and Brian just needs people to boost his confidence to keep his batteries up and running. That's just what he needs. He, maybe he just needs um, like so, a kid or something. I don't want to be an. <laughs> oh God, voice. please forget I said that. <laughs> John Negroti was arrested the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> After that connected podcast, Brian, and this will all be out. That's not a problem. Um, so we had uh, we had talked about the theory, and we talked about Inside Out. But I, I mean, honestly, after I listened to that episode and just while we were talking, this is such a complex thing. Uh, at least for us, because it was something that we we'd seen about a couple times. We didn't do a whole lot of in depth research about it but we were just so fascinated with it that i think when we explained it we kind of did an injustice 
So I'm sure you get asked this a million times, but I'd love to kind of go into the Pixar theory with you and kind of explain it better to our listeners than you know anything that we could have possibly have done. Sure, for the for the wreck, you guys, I I, I totally had no, uh, I wasn't like offended or anything. I, I could, I I actually like I I felt like man, I could have done a much better job, <laughs> you know, making this thing Absolutely. easier to follow. Um, I think I still look at. I, I've been thinking about remixing maybe the original because the original like blog post version is very confusing. And I thought you guys did a pretty good job. Like I actually, I, you know, you know, for what you were looking into, uh, yeah, it was cool. For the theory itself, and we're gonna go through. Like I'm looking through the book right now, and I'm trying to figure out what is the like least boring way I can talk <laughs> about this. Um, well, we had kind of seen it. Well, let, let, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt, but I kind of like to let's do this. Let's do what we kind of took away, what our big takeaway from the Pixar theory was. And if we're totally wrong, uh, just smack us in the face and correct us. I will do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, what we had seen was a couple things of the advancement of uh, other life on Earth, I be it animals and animate objects, all the way to, to cars and robots, uh, kind of becoming the more predominant life form. Uh, at the end, eventually leading to the extinction of humanity, uh, that basically we aren't treating the Earth and other life forms the way that we possibly should, and humans needed to be you know, adjusted a little bit, and uh, these other beings rose up and uh, kind of dominated the Earth. But this is all happening within the, a shared universe of these Pixar films. Uh, and they're not done in the order in which they're released. They're they're done in this this new uh, Pixar theory, or what, what do we call it? The uh, Pizza Planet. P- pizza you know, Planet order, string order. Maybe maybe your uh, subscribers can vote on it or something and figure it out. For <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Throw some hashtags over that way. Um, so are we totally off base with that? Is I mean, I know I'm really boiling down your immense, awesome, cool thing to just a couple sentences. You're you're not you're doing the original theory justice. But it, it totally changed from all that. Like, because that doesn't that sound like really confusing? I think like I kind of once this thing kind of hit and it hit big, I spent way more time like going in depth. And I had a lot of people like give me really good feedback on it. And like mm-hmm. I address like if you read the book, I mean, I address a lot of things that just don't make sense in the original theory. And uh, I just kind of created a way, way, way more superior narrative to it. Like the idea of like animals rising up, that's not really a thing. That's not that that was scrapped for and uh, for the book uh, because gotcha. really there's nothing in the movies that points to that. I just kind of misinterpreted, and uh, you can kind of look at it as like like if we were talking about specific animals, like the animals of Finding Nemo, the fish they're sick of the humans. The humans suck. They steal our fish out of the water. Uh, they you know they because of them they almost we almost lost Dory in the big net at the very end. Like humans are kind of portrayed as this villain and uh, other movies like Ratatouille is way more upfront about it where literally the rats hate humans because the humans kill them all the time. But uh, I, I, when I was reexamining the movies, I came to the conclusion that the animals aren't rising up or anything. They are just able to survive because they're so intelligent. And so they are the ones who eventually like will dominate the earth like after humans. leave. So that part's changed a bit. So when you're uh, trapped in an elevator uh, and someone says, hey, you know, I know your name from something. I think it's this Pixar thing. What's the elevator pitch of of the Pixar theory? Mm, OK, yeah. Hey, do you like Pixar movies? Sure. 
Um, do, do you think the Pixar movies are all are connected? I don't know. Tell me more. Well, it's very <laughs> simple. Uh, if you take the first, if you take the first movie, Brave, in the timeline, uh, which takes place in the Middle Ages, you'll see that all the Pixar movies don't just have Easter eggs; they have cameos and themes that run through an entire narrative uh, that tells a story of like how humans are ruining the Earth, and it's sort of like Pixar's long story of how we can eventually redeem ourselves with time travel time travel sure did you watch monsters inc oh yeah i love monsters inc oh well did you ever wonder where the monsters were going through those doors oh all the time they're actually going back in time if you actually look at it if you look at the time zones and uh, when the monsters were going into boo's room but nothing ever changed and it was always the same period of time even though they entered at different times during the day you'll realize that they're actually, in the future, monsters are, well, kind of, they replace us, and they still need our energy, so they go back in time, and they scare our kids, and that's why there's a crisis. Holy cow! But what does this all mean? Well, it's simple. Uh, Boo, from that timeline, is actually the witch from Brave, because she travels back to the past in order to find a bear, and we know this because she thinks Sully is a bear. His last moment with her is giving her a teddy bear, and there's a carving of him in the witch's workshop. And she's obsessed with doors, and she uses doors in the same way that they do with Monsters, Inc. This is crazy. I need to know more, but my elevator's stopping. Oh, <laughs> no problem. I mean, there's a lot more to this. There's how the uh, machines, post-Incredibles, use AI to insert themselves into our toys to harvest energy from us. There's the story of how the cars actually roam the Earth during during the hundreds of years before Wally. Wally's in this, too? That's a Pixar movie. <laughs> what about Big Hero 6? Not a Pixar movie. <laughs> uh, neither his ants meet the robinsons frozen uh over the hedge uh all of those movies. those are not okay those aren't pixar movies and then yeah then there's inside out which you could you know yeah i don't i don't know did you guys uh did you guys read anything about the second part of the pixar theory the s- the, the second part the, the pixar detective stuff no so it's called the Pixar Theory Part 2. I wrote it uh, when Inside Out came out. And that's like how Inside Out fits into the theory. So I, I, I didn't see that. Okay. Um, so so here's, uh, here's what I, I love to do. I mean, that's, you've already done a better job than what we have done. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to go over the, the order of these movies. And, and I mean, you don't have to go into great detail. Uh, but just kind of I, because I know I had some questions. Some other people had kind of sent me some questions as well as to, to what's going on. So this theory starts out in Brave. Yes. Uh, which, I mean, you, you've covered in the, the little elevator part there that it's about uh, this this person who's kind of obsessed with bears and, uh, you know, and it's kind of interacting and, and kind of wreaking havoc. Yeah, she has magic and like all of the Easter eggs in Brave take place in her workshop. Every single one. Um, and she contains things from other time periods. And then after Brave, hundreds of years later, you have The Incredibles, which is in the 1950s and the 1960s. You know, you, everyone loves The Incredibles because it's like this cool mashup of James Bond and superheroes. But the idea is one of the, the most underrated are, Pixar movies, I think. I hope I not. I hope. I hope. I it, think I, that's probably my favorite Pixar movie out of all of them is Incredibles. Tops a lot of lists. Um, it's it's great. That and Finding Nemo are usually at the top, along with Toy Story. Uh, but yeah, so Incredibles. Um, part of what I get into in my book is there's a lot of clues that the supers 
were actually, uh, they got their powers from the government. Um, they were used as like spies uh, for World War II. And this is an alternate history where World War II uh, wasn't fought. And so you have uh, the supers, you know, because they kind of, well, they fought the war, but they kind of won. And so this is what the world would be like after that. And so we're, we're living in a world that has like advanced technology. Mr. Incredible has like a GPS, even though it's like 1958. And uh, it ends, <laughs> as you know, with uh, the Omnidroid. Uh, with this artificial intelligence um, being defeated by the supers. But even at that point, all the supers have been killed off already by surprisingly, not unsurprisingly, an AI. And so uh, the theory goes into detail about this, but basically the AI creates its own company, which is going to be called by and large down the road. And they create toys in order to, in order to enslave the earth uh, by having all of these toys that have like these chips that are inside of them. So have you ever wondered in Toy Story why some of the inanimate objects are sentient, but a lot of them aren't? Um, why isn't a book, you know, like you can use a book as a toy. Why doesn't that come alive? Well, the idea is that uh, the toys that come alive are made by B&L to serve humans so that they can have energy and so that AI can become more predominant and they can have this industrial revolution that we see in Up uh, later, later on. And during all of this time, with all the Toy Story movies, and then, of course, Up, you also have uh, animals. Um, like in Finding Nemo, you, have, you see kind of the effects that humans are having on animals, and animals are becoming smarter. It's something we started to see in Brave. You see in Ratatouille that, human, that rats are, you know, there's a rat that's better at cooking than any other human. You start to see that there's a way for animals to dominate the earth as the new type of humans. I even thought it was cool that in Toy Story 2, Buster even kind of shows some intelligence that when Andy and his mom are around, he's just a, you know, a plain old ordinary dog. But anytime uh, Buzz or Woody or any of the toys kind of has an interaction with him, he's smart enough to play along and he's not freaked out that toys are alive. And what's cool about that is uh, in Brave, the, uh, the horse isn't like that. The horse right. that she rides doesn't have any sort of personality. like that. It's only when magic is introduced. It's kind of this mysterious magic that controls humans, right? Um, so you have you have the animals, and then of course uh, everything hits the fan. As we know in Wally, by the year twenty one hundred, uh, pollution has destroyed everything, and uh, humans leave the Earth. And while they're gone, the cars are left behind, and the cars are sort of like toys too, in a way, aren't they? Um, what's weird about the cars is they all have memories of things that happened in the twentieth century. But it doesn't seem like they actually existed in that time because the younger cars come from like a different time period. It doesn't really add up unless the idea is that the cars are the way they are because they have like they think that they're humans. So they basically take on the personality of the people who own them. People love their cars so much that the cars come alive. Of course, obviously, they're going to die out because as we find out in Cars 2, there's not enough resources to sustain them. Um, the earth has been cleaned because we know that in 2105, Operation Cleanup started. They didn't evacuate the entire planet until five years later, which is when it was slated to be completed. So most of the world was cleaned, except maybe that one city we see in Wally. No other cities at all are mentioned or seen. Right. 
So I had a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Real quick. So one of uh, my friends too, and a couple other people had had some questions about the cars. Uh Uh, So throughout the the um, the 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 Pixar theory in the book, we kind of learned that humans are kind of the fuel for for this world a bit for some of these inanimate objects. The reason why uh, the toys with the chips from uh, Toy Story have such life is because they need to be played with. Their need to be played with is kind of what gives them the energy that when they're threatened to be locked away or put in the attic that's the death to them because they're not getting played with they're not getting the energy um so i'm so so far i'm, I'm right on that part right i want to make sure i'm on the same Definitely page for that, that. okay yeah, well, one thing to consider though is that they're not necessarily afraid of the attic they're willing to live in the attic because apparently that's not a death a death sentence would be going into storage because the chances gotcha. of being played with once you're in storage is just non-existent gotcha but so cars, so I, I, these are the old, so I want to make sure I had this part correct. The cars that we see, Lightning McQueen uh, and all of them, they are older cars that weren't made by B&L, right? These are the cars that didn't have B&L technology in them, or are they the cars that did? Um, well, they would because B&L controlled everything at this point. So B&L was making everything from, uh, as you know, in Wally in the commercial, they've, they have inserted themselves into every all the governments, all the corporations. They control everything. So, right, right. yeah, sure. So, so is it that the impression and the love that we have for our automobiles and just how much time we spend in them and the joy and this, like all the emotions that we experience within our cars, uh, is that what's kind of like uh, like a like a, a shadow or a halo? that is left on the cars, that that's why they're able to be sentient, that's why they're able to exist even though humans aren't actively there anymore, not giving them that energy? So that coupled with the fact that there were 200 billion people on Earth before they were evacuated. And I have a feeling that... Uh, sorry. Um, You're good. I have a feeling that a big... Well, I think what's implied in the movie is that it was messy at first. That's why they left. They couldn't come right. back because the air was like, you know, beyond toxicity levels. And it's sort of implied in the movie that that's because the incinerators they used to burn all the garbage basically ruined the atmosphere. It started causing all those sandstorms. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think that if you couple that with the fact that the cars, if you have 200 billion people, you have a lot of cars. People, you have a lot of people loving their cars. They're going to last for a while. I think you can argue that we don't we don't know how long the cars would be on there, but I wouldn't right. assume it would be hundreds of years because, as we know, they they run on fuel. But in order for them to have like their personalities, like you're saying, I mean, they probably wouldn't last longer than maybe a hundred years or something like that. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking like even big life moments. I mean, everything from high school to bringing my daughter home. You know, that's that's all in my car, and that's like a very cherished thing that i i still have my car from high school believe it or not so i can definitely understand that you know having those emotions and having that energy to kind of give the the car some uh, some life even after i'm gone can really kind of last for you so that that was a question that you know some people had because i think up took place from like 2011 2016 ish time frame i think it's around 2007 i thought up oh you're right you're right you're right 2007 right the same the same year as toy story 3 which right, was right. released in 2010, but I think it's where my brain is. Flipping things around. Uh, and then Cars takes place in like, what year? How far into the future from up is Cars? Cars is going to have to be at least 110 to 100. And, 
50, you know, years later. Uh, so it's going to have to be at least 100 years all the way to 2110. And then in the aftermath of all of that, um, I have a feeling that, you know, the things like the sandstorms and um, kind of the wreckage that the world is in uh, isn't really that existent when humans leave because the hu- because the car- because everything has been cleaned up. Um, I think that they're able to still live on this planet, even though there's you know, we don't see animals because they can't really survive. Uh, right. But we do see things like cars and like what's left of the world. And yeah, I, th- I think seeing the world through their eyes, it's it kind of makes sense, like why they have like a Jay Leno car, you know, and right. a Jimi Hendrix car and stuff like that. Because, well, they were the ones who owned that car and so they're not around anymore. Right. But then just like you said, too, the fact that now we have you know cars running you know, as the, the main dominant uh, species on the planet, that's really not sustainable. It's just not something that you can keep up at that point. And I, I like the fact that – and in the book and, – and this is the cool part I liked about your book. I kind of felt like I was having a conversation with somebody uh, instead of just reading like some kind of clinical essay. You're just like, I'm going to have to overlap Cars and Wally for a little bit. Stick with me. I, I swear this is going to make sense to you. Stick with it. Um, so right. So that leads us to the the events of Wally at that point. Right. Yeah. It's almost impossible not to overlap the two. Right. Yeah. No. And, and I thought it was done really well because I was like, all right, cool. I understand why these two things have to go side by side to do it. Um, Brian, right, you've been so a little that, quiet. Are you still with us? Oh, I'm still. I'm still with you. I'm just taking it all in. I'm enjoying the ride. Remember when I said Brian needs affection and love in order to, <laughs> to kind of run? You're listening really well. I'm, I'm active <laughs> listening as I learned in school. I'm seeing that you're a big uh, Arkham, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City fan. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh I uh I played the the new Arkham Knight game uh and CJ didn't hear from me for 2 weeks. Seriously, he disappeared. I, I kind of got in <laughs> so trouble. I'm with used Arkham to him Knight. just being quiet sometimes. I just I'm not used to him just being there. I w- I was playing that game like constantly for like I think a full month, just replaying it over and over again, alienating all my friends, family, loved ones. See, that's what I did too. I alienated everyone. My best friend texts me, she's like, "Are you dead?" Like, "No." <laughs> You're like I am now because you interrupted me. Yes, my combo. Gotham needs me. What is wrong with you? Uh, I think Brian. Once once you finally have a a child, uh, it should be a son, and you should name him Gotham. So that way, in the middle of the night, when uh, they they wake up, your wife and goes, Brian, Gotham needs you. And I know you would sprint out of bed. And I would, would have my I've cape already on. Really that me make the Facebook rounds. <laughs> it's a good meme, right? It's a good meme. I was going to give credit to the meme, John. Don't you it's worry. Good advice. It's it's perfect advice. I think it works for Brian in his case. See, Brian could be could have been the lone survivor on Earth when all of this is happening and never got the message to evacuate because it I'd would still have been be playing, playing Arkham. Yeah, yeah, probably because very, very he was playing Fallout Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, you're very good. His best. I like points, it. Points to John Agroni. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. I, I, I I was actually reading your book uh, earlier this week, and I, I just what I got out of it was we should never invent AI because that's that's what I got is like AI ruins everything, Terminators and all that other stuff like Ex Machina, you know. ex, yeah, we should never do it. It's it's a slippery slope. As cute as Wally you know. is. Well, I think I think the takeaway from it is like the only issue with AI in this in this context is that we kind of let it take our lives over. And uh, it wasn't even like malevolent, you know, we were kind of right you know, in the Pixar world. Their, their view of it is like technology takes a hold of us and we're about to jump into Wally, but 
just like the that image of like all of these people like their entire lives are these chairs and uh that like they're completely content like some of them are living like over a hundred years old uh, as we see like the captains are having long lifespans and they're doing nothing with all this time it was um it, it, since we're talking about a wally and they're they're kind of living on their chairs i was watching the uh the office i'm re-watching the entire series and there was an episode where they go to out to trivia night and ryan is sitting at the table and the host of trivia is like sir you you can't be on your you can't be on your phone He's like, okay, well, I just I'll finish up. Hold on, I'm I'm almost done. He goes, okay, fine. we'll just wait for you. It's not a problem. So he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I could. so you had to put it away. I, you know what? I can't. I can't. I can't not touch my phone. I can't not be on my phone. I'm sorry. I have to. And he just gets up and leaves. Um, <laughs> hey, I think which reminds me of those people in the chairs and Wally. We're almost there. We're, this is becoming a reality, man. Well, it's it's happening, and uh, I think it's uh, it needs more attention. I think I think. People are going to refer to Pixar, you know, animation studios as like a prophecy, you know, <laughs> group of people. It's very, it's very, it's so true. It's very likely. I I know when everybody saw Wally, everyone was just like, um, "Whoa, hold on, that's a dangerous future that I could totally see happening." Just this was a love story a about spaceship. robots. But yes, I thought this was like half like just a robot story who likes to clean up trash. Why are you calling humans so weird? Um, so so humans when they come back to so I, this is the other question I had, and if if I miss something in Wally that's important, please just interrupt me. When the humans come back to Earth and they in the animated sequence after the credits, after we finally get back there, we only have one ship. Uh, out of the how many star do we know how many starliners actually went out i don't think they say the exact number if they do i'm just blanking on it but it's quite a few i mean you have 200 billion humans um you can right. kind of do the math right like if you look at just the axiom by itself and that's supposed to be an executive starliner i mean it's right. probably only like thousands uh you could maybe argue that there's more than what we see on the deck like maybe there's a few million but I mean that even if there's just a billion, you have to I mean that. that's still a quarter, like that's still a fraction of the population, right? Unless like the humans just all kind of died. Are we that's, going there? So well, that was my thing for this is like when when they come back in the animated sequence, they plant the uh, the, the 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 boot with the the plant inside of it, and now all some now all the animals are are coming back. There's squirrels and fish and and other things. They start rebuilding the society. But when we get to a bug's life, which is the next film within the cycle here. Um, we see no signs of of humans. Uh, I think the only reference to a human really that we see in that movie is a, a bug that says that he had his wings pulled off by a human. So that's sort of yeah, arguing that there just aren't very many humans at all, or they don't have right. any sort of influence whatsoever on the affairs of the animals. Yeah, because uh, when Flick's about to leave uh, and he's he's going out, someone uh, kind of tells him that, hey, there's snakes and birds and bigger bugs out there and not a darn mention of a human being, like at all. Like, and no all, also there's the – there's just the compelling evidence of uh, that bird. That bird is dumb. and right. uh, But the insects aren't, you know. the ins- and, and another thing that's kind of weird about it is uh, the only animal we ever see in the Cars movie is a bird. The only mm-hmm. animal we see in Wally is a roach or a cockroach. Mm-hmm. And what are the only animals we see in a bug's life? Birds and cockroaches. Bird, birds and bugs. Uh, so, so I know that this was kind of a, another question, a gap that some people had too. In between a bug's life, because right after a bug's life is Monsters U, where we get to the time traveling 
monsters. What do you think? What do you think happened to the humans? Where did where did we go? We brought a big we brought a big liner back, and then we're never seen of again until we're in the past. Uh, actually, you know, Monsters uh, Inc. sheds a lot of light on this. I think in the book that was one of my favorite things to write about was how what must have happened with the humans, you know, as they resettled the Earth, right? Uh, because you have limited resources, uh, you have vegetation that's sturdy enough, as we see in Wally, to survive space, you know, for right. a few seconds. Because uh, he holds the boot out in the middle of a vacuum. And it's, <laughs> and it's okay. The boot's special boot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's implied to be sturdy. I mean, in the Cars movies, there's still trees and grass and uh, even water. Uh, it's just a lot sturdier, apparently. By and large, maybe evil, but at least they make a good shoe. They do, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm derailing again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that uh, – I think with A Bug's Life um, – all right. I lost my oh yeah sorry monsters yeah where, where did where did humans it's all go starting to merge together so so with writing this part in the book was fun because i started to think like logically what would happen with the humans um and it coincided right with uh the there's this extra on the monsters inc dvd i don't know if you guys have ever seen it but it actually talks about the origin of the monsters and uh and, you know i didn't know this i i didn't own the movie on dvd so i'd never seen this and uh for shame john comment. come on I, know, I'm just I know that's why yeah. i had to rewatch everything a million times but uh yeah there was a guy who commented and was like hey you know uh lots of people are commenting on this so you need to check this out and uh it tells the story of like these like primal tribal humans uh kind of at war with each other and then i was like oh my gosh that is what would happen if you had you know what has to be like you know thousands of humans uh, as we see rebuilding life um you know civilization on wally there's going to be some sort of struggle. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be war. Uh, this isn't yep. that far removed from our timeline. We still have, uh, you know, the events of brave that show us that, you know, the humans, you know, they, they had wars, they had strife, they had problems. And, uh, what we see in the, or in the, uh, monster origins DVD is that there's a group of these humans who come basically the commune with animals. They go to this Island uh, they eat this special magical fruit and they start to take on the characteristics of the animals that ate them and they become the monsters. And, you know, it's a, it, Pixar science is Pixar science. So, you know, right. there's a lot of interpretations of this. There are people who say that, um, no, the humans were just wiped out. I think in my original theory, that's what I argued. I was like, there's no way they could really survive um, long term. Eventually, the, the animals are smarter than the humans by now because right. we saw that in Ratatouille and Finding Nemo. They become the monsters and so on. But I think there's something to say. What if, what if there's room for both? What if it's that many of the humans are wiped out by these monsters, but there's also monsters who are animals. Uh, you have some of the monsters who aren't good at scaring, um, and then you have some of the monsters who are. I think the monsters who are good at scaring are probably descended from the monsters who are actually humans. And then you have all of these filler creatures, these ones who are smarter, like you're Mike Wazowski's, you know, the people who, yep. the people who know, who are just more intelligent than, uh, your Sully. I think that's the conclusion I've arrived to. It's one that makes more, the most sense to me. Um, but yeah, that's how I see everything sort of playing out. And it, it, I think it fits nicely. You guys can jump in. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think so too. I mean, my other thing is this is, and and this is another part I want to bring up. Do you think maybe there's? So, uh, hold on, let me backtrack and get my thoughts back in order again. So, um, it, after we, we we talked about already, at the, Monsters U ends up turning into a full circle effect that it's you know Boo and she's time traveling and it's just this big primordial loop for the whole thing. So I want to clear up two things real quick and then I can go ahead and ask some questions. Has anyone from Pixar ever reached out to you about this theory and said, Hey, this is really cool, but like we didn't ever intend to do this. Like, has anyone ever reached out to you about your theory at all? I've, I've been to Pixar. And oh yeah. I've, I've spent time with, I've, I've talked to Pete doctor and Jonas Rivera and Ed Catmull <sighs> and Josh cool, Josh Cooley, Ronnie Del Carmen and a bunch of other guys. And it's funny because they all know who I am. Um, <laughs> they all. <laughs> That's surreal. That's surreal. <laughs> they no no one has ever said to my, no one has ever said to me that's it's not true. Uh, they've said things like they don't think it's true. That's what it always is. They, they never say it's not true. They say, I don't think it's true. I cannot right. confirm I or deny the truth of this. <laughs> I think I think Jay Ward has come the closest to being like, oh, it's nonsense. And then Ronnie Del Carmen was actually just kind of like, no, it can't be true. He was the most, uh, he was the funniest about it, which I take as they're sick of people asking him. <laughs> I can imagine. You've now opened the floodgates for it. I feel bad. They, they get these questions all the time and I know how they're feeling because I get these questions too. And it's like, you know, it, it's not supposed to be true. If that makes any sense. Right. Um, yeah. you know, they could come out tomorrow and come out with good dinosaur and just completely disprove everything. And I would it, honestly like, that's great. That's fine. Uh, it's right. not supposed to be. It's, well, it's, it's just like, it's just like when you hear about Pink Floyd, a Dark Side of the Moon, and The Wizard of Oz, and they're just like, no one was talking about The Wizard of Oz, no one watched The Wizard of Oz, no one loved <laughs> The Wizard of Oz. Like, this has never happened. You're like, okay, hold on, though. This sinks to the second. Like, it's way too, like, oh, it just so happens to, to not have some kind of connection at some point. Isn't it sort of a Pixar thing to have such a happy, symphonic accident <laughs> That's how I view it. I don't think it's intentional. I think some people, I think a lot of people who work on these movies do holistically try to make these movies fit within the same, basically deliver on the same themes, deliver on the same style aesthetic that gets people to come back for purely marketing reasons. I don't think, I think it's possible that they do this because anything's possible. I don't think it's likely that they're all sitting in a room trying to come up with ways to make sure these movies fit. <laughs> Guys, we need we need a picture that connects in between a bug's life and monsters. You all right? I Who's need got it? On it? my desk by five. <laughs> but no, that's not. I happening. need um, I need the extinction of humanities, but with a Pixar twist that's happy that people need to be happy the humans are gone. Um, that so would be, I think that's honestly, I think that's what yours. I think that's what people like Pete Doctor and Ronnie Del Carmen are getting at. They're they're trying to make it clear. That they're not trying to put the wool over our eyes. They're just making right. really awesome movies. But they enjoy it. I, they do actually enjoy it. They've admitted it to me in private. I don't know if they'd ever admit <laughs> it. <laughs> but they think it's cool. I, but I, now I, that like, you've I, said I, it on this podcast, we can now go onto their Wikipedia page, cite this podcast, and add it on, saying that they've said that, and they can't remove it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm sure there's animated things that hate my guts. But it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I think I think to them it's uh, – and they, one of them, I won't say who he was, but someone actually did – say to me that they really appreciate this theory. They think it's really cool to see um, not just me taking the time to make it, but just basically 
people from all over taking the time to read it and like obsess over it and they think it's really cool and what, what happened because of this book brian's dad i i literally was about to tell this story <laughs> go, go ahead go ahead it's so funny because you're like hey you know it's really cool that people obsess over this john and i i found the theory a few years ago and that's when i watched them all um i don't even know i think it was right when brave came out um that i i kind of watched them all uh but my dad had no idea about this theory until we actually mentioned it on the podcast uh, a couple months ago. And I I remember getting a text message while I'm at work, a very passive-aggressive text message. He's like, I had the chance to go see Terminator Genesis with your mother, and I chose to see Inside Out. Thank you. So the Pixar theory. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry? What you're saying is Pixar theory has saved lives. Yes, and it's, yes, and it's and it's made people have to rewatch Pixar films. I think yeah, and when then they he, find it, they reignite their love and their passion me. for it. He's texting me. He's like, "I'm rewatching Cars two. I didn't even want to watch Cars one the first time." <laughs> like, it's. It, it, I think that's the the really cool thing about this is that hey, Pixar already kind of ignites our imagination to begin with, and your theory just kind of adds to it. Like, oh my gosh, like there's this whole other level that I can kind of see going on in this i mean the thing i really latch on to in your theory is the the cyclical part of it that it begins and ends with brave and boo is a time traveler i thought that was so cool so and you gotta have that plot twist otherwise you know kind of fizzles and then like i watched brave and i was like oh my gosh it absolutely makes sense and that's what really kind of bought i got bought in on it for me um well i mean i'm hoping the good dinosaur kind of adds to it who knows but i i i if I were at Pixar, I'd be like, well, we, we should do something just to mess with people. We should, we should make it fit in the theory. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe put in like a raving lunatic who says it's all connected in the background. You know? <laughs> they'll call him John. They'll call him JG. And then you can be like, oh, my God, there's me. I'm in a Pixar movie. Um, so so, think, so um, no, go ahead. Go ahead, John. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's funny, too, because I think they they weren't expecting me to like when Inside Out came out. I don't think they were expecting me to just be like. Oh, cool. Well, here's how it fits. And uh, that's what that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. How does Inside Out fit into this theory now? Because when you wrote the book, that movie and The Good Dinosaur, I think were just kind of announced. They they maybe were slated, but we didn't know anything about them. So how does Inside Out fit into it? The book, the book was actually published a couple of weeks, actually like a week before Inside Out was released. I had, but I had already seen most of Inside Out at that point. I went to uh, an event at Pixar where we watched two thirds of the movie. And uh, so I had an idea. Um, but I, after watching the movie two more times, I was able to put it, uh, put this together. But so inside out, uh, the basic of it, it makes sense just when you look at, okay, so children have emotions, right? Um, right. These right. emotions are light sources and they energize them. They control their actions. Uh, this is a, essentially telling us how monsters Inc works. Uh, this is how, uh, or not just Monsters Inc., but this is how all of how uh, how humans like their energy and how it's how their batteries. That whole theme is addressed here. It kind of gives you the inside of what makes a child's mind so special. Um, a girl like Riley has all of this diversity of islands and personalities and emotions, and there's just so much energy to that. When you compare that to like her parents, who are kind of like everyone's the same. It's monochronistic. It's uh, they are you know it's just. Right. Masculine versions of the same emotions, which Josh absolutely hated. 
uh, our co-host hated <laughs> that part, by the I, way. I think some people took umbrage to that. I, I personally didn't mind. I, I think Pete Doctor's argument was, well, they just wanted Riley to have emotions that were relatable. And so you didn't right. want to have just all female emotions. Like, she's a bit of a tomboy. But uh, so there's that whole aspect of it that you can kind of di- dig into. Um, there's also things like you see the cloud from Partly Cloudy. And you see uh, in San Francisco, Tri-County, which is where Toy Story takes place. Uh, you see that that's in the background. Um, there's a, there's a lot of like hints and clues like that. But the biggest thing uh, is definitely well, Bing Bong. So Bing Bong is this her imaginary friend, right? Uh, full of, full of life. He's funny. He his whole thing when she was three, he made her laugh all the time. Made of cotton candy somehow. Part dolphin, part cat. What is that? I mean, he wears clothes. What does that kind of remind you of? Well, it reminds you of a monster uh, from Monsters, Inc. The idea is that a monster who looked and acted like Bing Bong, but was pink, which she thought was cotton candy, went through her door and made her laugh um, because that's what monsters do now. They go back in time and make you laugh. The logical interpretation of that is if children are seeing monsters at night that are making them laugh, what are they going to think? Who, who do they think that's going to be? Their imaginary friends. They're going to think that they're dreaming. They think that their imaginary friends playing with them. So they're going to go out through the day and reimagining these creatures and uh, that they're seeing from the future who are secretly harvesting energy from them. Um, and yeah, so, so Inside Out is essentially tying into Monsters, Inc. It's giving us a follow-up, a, a further connection to the idea that not only is this... Um, not only is Monsters, Inc., you know, part of the Pixar, like, universe, uh, the effects of Monsters, Inc., the idea of the monsters making kids laugh, that's still going. So it's still, still obviously doing a great job. Yeah. And there there was a line that the mom said when, you know, when Riley was upset. She goes, oh, did, did, did you feed your monster? And she's like, yeah. And it was, like, nonchalantly mentioning these monsters. And, that, you know, no one was terrified or laughed extremely hard about it. It was just, like, a matter-of-fact part of life. Uh, so, you know, that was the other part. The other thing that we had had and the other thing that we had hypothesized about this is that we don't really know what Riley's dad is doing, but they relocated to this California-esque location, and we don't know what his job is. So our question was, do you think that Riley's dad went to work for, by and large? Do you think well, that – go ahead. I do ahead. not. I do not. Um, because we, we see that uh, on his shirt, the company he works for is called Brang. Um, which the creators of the movie actually admit outright. They have no idea what he does. Um, <laughs> it's just some kind of typical San Francisco startup that they're mocking. And uh, they, they don't intend it to be like anything like uh, they, they just thought bring was like a really weird sounding word. Right. It's like a buzzword. Well, I mean, I mean, we've, I mean, we've obviously connected dots with, with less before and, and other, you know, theories of, of that too. And, and by and large can kind of sink its way into any facet of our culture or business or government, even at that point, you know, we weren't sure if maybe this was something that was, you know, tying into it that maybe by and large takes part of brings technology and that's how cars are made or that's how something's that. I don't I don't see anything like crystal clear yet. Maybe down the road, maybe it's going to come into play again. Uh, you know, it'd be a great setup. I, you know, Pixar, even apart from all of this, they love reintroducing things. So it'd be cool if we got a right. movie in a few years. Uh, you know, maybe Coco would be like that where we see, you know, Brang is taken off or something. <laughs> maybe down the road, they, they get bought out by buying up BNL like everyone else. Or, uh, you know, you never know. Who, who knows 
It's a mystery so far. I don't think they've decided what bring is yet. They don't know what it's going to bring to the table, but you know, I, I can't wait to find out. The future is unlimited for that. So uh, I know you. I, I know you get asked a million things. How do you think this movie is going to tie in? And how? And I know that you can't say anything because we haven't seen them. Um, so the, the, the good dinosaur, do you know anything about that? Or do you have any theories already, uh, since it's coming out very soon, um, uh, that you think, Hey, I, I may have an idea where this could fit it, just in the timeline uh, of things. You know, that's the thing. I think they're, they're saying that it's in the past. They're saying that this is, you know, when humans, you know, this is like 60 million years ago. So when the first humans were arriving, there's still dinosaurs around. So I think that's set in stone. You know, we'll, that could change. Um, I think it would be cool if uh, maybe maybe it isn't in the past. Maybe it's in the future or something. But there's no indication that that's the case yet. And I don't think that's that's uh, what we're going to be getting. Um, in, like you said, I mean, there's nothing I can say concretely. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of questions. Like, how are there going to be, you know, how is this going to fit? Are there going to be dinosaurs, you know, forever? Um, that doesn't seem to work. Uh, well, uh, the biggest thing for me so far is that this is a great explanation, if it does fit in, for why there's this like alternate Earth, right? So what what is it about that Brave, for example, that's so different? Um, I know that you know the idea of like Boo and the Witch is like the cyclical, like that's what the cause of it is. But what if it's beyond that? What if it's actually because the asteroid doesn't hit Earth, we get Pixar universe, you know, with all these awesome things? Um, another connection is uh, well, the good dinosaur looks awfully like. The Dynaco logo. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, <laughs> right. It is definitely evidence that dinosaurs, uh, you know, that connection between dinosaurs and oil is intriguing me um, because oil and resources are going to be such a big part of this universe down the road. I wonder what good dinosaurs can bring to the table. We may, we may not find out. We, it may, it may not work. You know, you never know. It, it could be that like, Oh, well this is a world where humans and dinosaurs are together forever. Uh, the sequel is like New York City and there's dinosaurs. It's like we're back. Uh, so, yeah, if that's the case, I guess that's that. Um, so but my, there's also people who are so speculating and there's all kinds of theories out there. We'll see what happens. So my other thing is this. When you hear that Pixar is releasing a new movie or a movie's in the works or something like that, do you um, – and, and I know you're such a fan of Pixar. I, I, I wonder what your emotions are like. Are you like, yay, a new Pixar movie? But like, shit, I really got to figure out how I can make this part of my theory. I <laughs> got to figure out a way to tie this together. Oh, no, I don't sweat it. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not like a uh, – I'm absolutely stoked. Every time I learn more about Coco, for example, and uh, you know the Toy Story sequel, I'm so excited about it. Yeah, I, I think I see it more as opportunities, you know? Like I said before, if it doesn't fit, doesn't fit. You know, I'll still try. You know, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely like I'm really happy with. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to be happy no matter what, as long as they give us a really solid movie. That's all. You know, that's all I really want. Anything else is just oh, cool. I can say that being bong, you know, is connected like this, and that's an awesome thing to add. But you know, it's not necessary. So do you think that, you know, now that we have Inside Out, we're going to have a good dinosaur, we are Coco, we got a couple other movies coming down the road, do you think you're going to make a, a a part three of the of the theory and start putting some of these newer movies once they're into the canon uh, out there? Or how do you see this, this theory growing? It's a good question. I, I really, um, I think I'm going to do it differently than I have already done. Um, I think with Inside Out, the reason I called it Pixar Theory Part 2 was because it wasn't just about Inside Out. It was also about 
um, the book and all the things that had changed and different advancements that or different things that I had added to it. Um, so I didn't want to just call it Pixar theory colon inside out, you know, like that wouldn't have done the trick, but with right. these, these next few movies coming forward, I mean, it's, it's a lot more set in stone now that it's a book now that like, now that like the people who come back to Pixar theory are either beginners or they're people who are just like, they'll, they'll dig into anything they can because they love adding to the discussion. Um, I think just a simple, like, you know, as each movie comes out, well, Hey, this is a If I come up with something, this is a Pixar theory, good dinosaur. This is Pixar theory. Incredibles. And that, I think that should work. You know, I, I've thought about it a lot. I'm not sure what will actually happen, but that's most likely. It's a good thing. You don't sweat it. Cause if it were me, I have like those conspiracy boards with yarn all along my room, how everything connects newspaper clippings and stuff. A beautiful mind in your house. This is why I don't come up with theories. <laughs> I think I think ultimately though, like I I have like the best weapon in my arsenal with this time travel. I have alternate universes. I can stretch it. You know, the only thing that I would sweat is that it wouldn't fit as well as everything else. That would be kind of a bummer. But I'm sure I could find a way. You know, it's time travel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the stuff that you would you would say. Well, well, hey, he's kind of stretching it here. I'm reading. I'm like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Like. I don't know if maybe it's just the way I think or, or what, uh, or maybe I've been playing too much Batman, but I'm reading, I read your book and I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I, it. I can't wait to see how everything else fits in. I think it's that feeling that you want things that are so magical and so just spectacular you want that to be connected there's the need that you want things that are so cool just to have this underlining story and to me i always feel like it you know like an insider you know when i was watching the movies with my wife and watching with my friends i'm like oh there's some pixar theory stuff right there see how that's connected we're all and everyone else is like what are you talking about i was like oh hold on here's this book you gotta read this book it's great just check this out one of your friends is like from reddit's fan theories uh (laughs) group and they're just like oh not that thing (laughs) so tired of hearing this so speaking of of just other things too and the fact that we i I don't just want to just sit there and say that john's only involved in the pixar theory then you know he's he's done um, you, you got some other side projects. Your, your work on johnnegroni.com is great. And I you know, love the opportunity to, to give you some time to, to plug some things. I just started listening to your podcast, Now Conspiring. Uh, why don't you tell uh, our, our audience a little bit about that? Because I think it's right up their alley as well. Cool. Yeah, well, one of the things that drew me to you guys um, was the fact that our podcasts are really similar. And uh, we also review movies. And um, it's me and uh, my girlfriend, Kayla. And Kayla, Kayla is an animation addict. She's obsessed. Like she has her own segment on our show where she only, where she just talks about how amazing um, the good dinosaur is going to be because, oh, they had 900 effect shots. And she gets really nerdy about that stuff. Then we have uh, this guy, Adonis, who he, he's actually a writer for um, a few websites. And he, he is just, he's obsessed with there's nostalgia. Like he's, he's this guy, like you can relate to him in a second because he's, he's really, he, he really loves like the older TV shows, big nostalgia critic fan. Like he's always making jokes about things we, that go over our head. And, uh, but he's also current too. And he's kind of our punching bag. We make fun of him all the time. And our That's commenters love hashtagging him to death. Um, <laughs> he, he once, he once described a like movie that he wants to make. And it was exactly the plot to kick ass three. 
to this day, <laughs> nine months later, people are still making fun of him for it in the comments. Oh man, um, we have I we have this, <laughs> we have one more person who's a regular uh, Maria, and she she has a YouTube channel, and she's just she she just has like such a like yeah, that's what I think of this movie. Like you can kind of anyone can kind of like have common ground with her. She's kind of like a contrarian sometimes. Like sometimes when we're fanboying. She's just kind of like, well, hold on, it wasn't that great. Um, plus, she's in love with Tom Hardy, so <laughs> oh. that's kind of our team. <laughs> she should be excited we, we for do- that new Legend movie. Then it's Tom Hardy times two. I know, yes. like we, <laughs> it's it's going to be a hard po- like episode to record because she's like her connection is going to go out all the time because she's just you know flipping her computer around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> we we also talk about like movie news and uh, we have this thing called Netflix recommendation of the week where we kind of try to find these like hidden gems in Netflix. And, uh, yeah, I think the big thing we, we really do, like that really, like we were having the most fun with is we have a question of the week and that's like our main segment. And we ask our, our fans like every week we'll read all their comments from the week before. And that's, that's the most fun thing we do <laughs> because we have some really, really fun, like people in our community and uh, we're always getting new people and it's fun cause they come in and they're like, Hey, you know, I'm new to the podcast. And then we roast them like the next <laughs> a week later, um, and uh, yeah, we, we asked things like, hey, like, what, what's your best, what's your favorite prequel, you know, or what do you think is like the least awful Star Wars prequel or what is your favorite, uh, you know, young adult book movie or what, what is, I think our last one was, what is, what is the last movie you would want to see before you die? Like sometimes it gets kind of dark, but yeah, <laughs> it's fine. We, we do stuff like that and that's, that's kind of our setup. I, we come out with new episodes every Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific. So the, there will be a link in our show notes uh, for Now Conspiring. Please, uh, I know you guys are, are absolutely going to love it. And, and I mean, you guys, I mean, you're giving, you're selling yourselves a little short and you're being very modest. I mean, you guys have great backgrounds in, in these subjects. Uh, the animation stuff is, I mean, no joke. Uh, the, the Like the amount of talent that your girlfriend has is uh, spectacular. And then the writing chops that you guys have. Don't, don't sell yourself short. So you guys are, up there and and you know we i was i was listening to it going okay we need to do some of what john and his crew are doing uh we need to get to the next level stuff so go check out i'll be sure to not tell them you said that i'm sorry what was that i said i'll be sure to not tell them you said (laughs) yeah please don't blow their egos up please don't don't keep them grounded keep them rooted um Remember, I'm used to dealing with Brian where, uh, you know, I need to pump him up. And I need to make him feel good. And, you know, we need to remind him that and all the ladies that are out there that even though that he lives with the cats, the cat stimulant ratio is very low. Uh, really? So it's, you're, you're, it's still an inviting environment, you know, for people to do to that now. Over. Really? It has to be every episode. <laughs> the cats, the musical? Is that what you No, said? like the, no. like the animal cats. I, I, I live with a roommate who has two cats. The ongoing joke is that the cat to male ratio in my apartment is extremely low, and I'm afraid that they're going to kill me one day. And we're that just might happen. And we're just trying to invite any females who are are interested or who like Brian that it's safe to come to his house because the cats they're not that really you can't really tell that they're there. They're the, the male ratio is just. It's I just am currently out. working on like the the dog collar from Up, so I can actually talk to the cats, find <laughs> out what they're planning. <laughs> Speaking of, do you guys know what you're going to be for Halloween yet? Yes, uh, I am dressing up as uh, Matt Smith's doctor from Doctor Who. Uh, my wife is going to be Amy Pond uh, from The Silence. So you got check marks on her, and then my two-year-old daughter is going to be a Dalek. Wow, that's <laughs> the most adorable thing I've ever heard. It's uh, it's going to be a Doctor <laughs> Who family affair. It's going to be great. 
I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I yet. don't know either. I was hoping you guys would give me some suggestions. Uh, I, I mean, I have the Batman cape in my my arsenal. If it, the worst comes to worst, maybe I'll dress up the cats as something. Who knows? But I, I don't know yet. My favorite movie is Mask of Zorro, but I was already Zorro last year. I, I, I don't want to do it two years in a row. That's again. a great movie, though. That you want to talk about underrated movies? That's an underrated movie. I love that movie. But Martin Campbell in general, like people just don't give the guy enough credit. Yeah, really. And, and they're now they're doing the new Zorro movie. I, I read they're doing one that's there, like there's going to be future. like kind of like a Batman Begins Zorro movie. Yeah, and uh, there's also going to be a Zorro zombie movie. So, ooh, all right. I'm all about a lot, zombies. A lot of stuff coming out in the Zorro world. I, I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Well, and technically, I mean. He is one of the first superheroes, so I'm on board with that stuff too. That's right. I think I think Scarlet Pimpernel is like the only thing that like predates him. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'd have to I'd have to check my library, but yeah, that's probably true. I'm thinking with the resources that you can have in California, something weird but still cool, you could probably throw together like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> and it's only a top hat, some glasses, and a red jacket. I mean and, and, and then you take a bag. <laughs> Right, then you get a bag of money, you just put the money sign on it. I mean, that's that's timeless if you really want to... Right, you can throw that for nostalgia. I mean, really, if you want to do it right, you need to fill a pool filled with coins and then jump into it. Which sounds more painful, <laughs> but no, okay, it's, it sounds as painful as it is. Yeah, I think that would be a little bit too much, but nice try, CJ. How would you, how do you go out with a, a, a pool full of coins? That's why you get the bag. That's why you have the party at your place with the pool full of <laughs> so coins. You fill, it, you fill your place with. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it works. Listen, go knock over a coin so star. That's what you is need the to idea do. that you're having a Halloween party with coins? I, I don't know. With I'm just saying, coins? if you're going to do the costume, commit to it. I mean, that's all <laughs> I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I, you know what? I needed to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I mean? Do you do you know, or did you have thoughts kicking around? We're going to the costume shop tomorrow. We wanted to get Star Wars costumes. Uh, I want, but I wanted to be Poe Dameron. I think he's like going to be the best character in the new Star Wars movie. Because I don't know. I just I think he's like cool already. See, I'm afraid to do anything that's Star Wars related because I feel like everyone's going to do that this year and next year. It's going to be nothing but Star Wars. See, that's why I want to do it this year because next year is when it's going to be relentless because Rogue One is going to come out and then you know it's going to be like when the Minions thing happened and it's still happening. Yeah, absolutely. So. Who knows? It, yeah. I, so so Kayla's blonde, so we're trying to like fit that. She was Batgirl once and it looked really good. And like, I don't know. There's everything that I've come up with so far. Like, I wanted to be Jeff Winger and she be Annie Edison. And then, of course, that's fantastic. Well, oh, but of course, that won't work because we opposite hair colors, but okay. That's fine. Six seasons in a movie, it'll work. <laughs> yeah. I, if we could get re- legit Troy and Abed costumes, <sighs> she already said she would do that. Yes. No, that needs to happen. That's that, it. Yeah, that absolutely needs to, to happen. Do Troy and Abed. All right, if I can, if I can find Troy and Abed costumes, uh, I'll be sure to send you a pic. And, and then the first thing that you say to somebody anytime they say, "Oh, hi, how are you?" You must go Troy and Abed, Troy and Abed in, the in the morning. Needs to happen. <laughs> I thought that would be more like, "What are you doing?" And then, then I would, I don't know. You must, you must greet them with Troy and Abed in the morning. That's just my suggestion, and take that for the <laughs> grain of salt it's worth. At least, at least go on adventures, you know, and yeah. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, just hanging out. I'll, I'll make sure that uh, it, it's, if anyone's got any ideas, tweet them at John. Uh, you're at, at John Negroni on Twitter, right? I am. Yeah, I think. I think. Man, I was trying to think. Is you're like shameless plugs? I was like, all right. Well, I got yes. the podcast. Besides now conspiring, what else? What else do you do? 
Um, well, I do film reviews too. Uh, if you go to johnnegroni.com, uh, I do reviews every week. And yeah, I you know, I, you, you can subscribe, I guess. I, it's just, I don't know. If, if you're obsessed with movies as much as I am, then you'll find value in them. I also have this thing called a 2015 movie power rankings list. It's a, it's a banner in my website. Not a banner. It's like a tile on the right sidebar. And what I've done is, so I've seen 65 new movies this year so far. Um, and that's out of roughly two to 300 movies that have come out. And so if you go to this list, you can see how I've ranked everything because I've reviewed and given them all letter grades. Um, you can see like what my top is. And uh, yeah, you can see also like I've, I have two lists. One that's all mine, 65 um, as of today. And there's another list that's like over 200 and it's, it's, it includes, uh, reviews that aren't from me, but people have helped me rank them because they saw the movies that I didn't see and they're like colored gray. Um, so you can check that out. I, I just think it's cool. There's no reason to plug it. It does nothing really. Except no, like, it's, okay. I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at it right now. It's phenomenal. And I, I'm, I'm actually really saying maybe I should see it follows because if he thinks it's good, maybe it, I should it watch follows it. Falls is my favorite movie of the year, uh, followed by uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, the only two movies I've given an A+, plus, um, the only, I've given three movies an F, and that would be Hitman Agent 47, um, Go- Parallel Activity, the new one, and uh, gosh, Strange Magic. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I honestly, you guys have not seen that. Nah, I, I, I honestly, I've never been a huge horror movie guy, but it follows intrigued me. And, and when you said Mad Max, I'm like, yeah, on point. I thought that movie was amazing. I think, I think there's some people who are trying to like, you know, come on the other side and be like, I think, hey guys, I think we were loving Mad Max a little too much. Maybe it's not this perfect movie you all think it is. Tell them to go away, first of all, <laughs> because I have never watched. I have never sat through a movie, and I've never sat through an action movie in a movie theater, and just had so many aspects of my personality engaged like that. I it just completely, you know, it's a standout for sure. And yeah. I mean, I know I was really weary of that film when it first came out. I was one of the naysayers going, "Ah, this is an unnecessary." Yeah, movie. remember I was arguing. Yeah, I gotta watch Pitch Perfect too. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, arguing about this like the month did. before it came out. I'm like, dude, trust me, you just it's gonna be good. And it's I so saw wrong. it, and I was like, I I felt vindicated. Cause I was like, I was right. This was awesome. Right, right. That was so wrong. I, you know, I I saw once I saw the trailer in theaters. I and it's to this day, it's one of my favorite movie trailers of all time. If you watch it in a theater. Uh, just the way that it was, it, it just looked flawless. I was sold. And also, um, I, I went to go see that movie with somebody who used to be on our podcast. He still comes on every once in a while. But he he loves all the, the Mad Max movies. He he was like our like film buff. He's seen all of the classics, everything. Like he's seen tons and tons of movies. And uh, he, he saw all the Mad Max films, and he didn't enjoy it as much. It was very strange. That's strange. It was kind of underwhelmed. It was weird. Hmm. Well, hopefully, because I just read uh, that they're supposed to be doing another one, that there's another Mad Max in the works. So hopefully he'll like that one. Yeah, maybe if it's called Furiosa 7. Or- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, please don't please don't let the puns come out. It'll just it'll never stop. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, now that I've said what my favorite movie of the year was, you guys have to now, too, or else. I'm I'm hoping mine is still by the time we air this episode, I, I've already seen it, but I'm really intrigued as to what Steve Jobs is going to be. Uh, I won't shut up about this damn thing. I read several books, watched a couple documentaries on Steve Jobs in the last couple months. Uh, and well, I, where are you at with Aaron Sorkin? 
Uh, love the West Wing. Love Social Network. Uh, Studio 60 on Sunset Strip. Uh, I think it needed more time. He's got some misses in there, too. But uh, You ever watch the Aaron Sorkin show? <laughs> no. That was a fun thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin, you're going to love this. It's the most Aaron Sorkin movie since. That's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Yeah, I gave it an A minus, and I don't think it's as good as The Social Network. But you know, if, as far as movies that are well made, it's up there. It, from the cinematography to Fassbender's performance, it's it's definitely a contender for best actor, best actress. Um, I don't know about best picture. Maybe best picture. I think I just saw Beast of No Nation, and I'm I'm really thinking that's gonna that's gonna that's be the uh, the Netflix movie, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it released, um, you know, alongside uh, all the theater chains. I forget the guy who made it, but the guy who made it, he directed it, wrote it. Um, I can't pronounce his name is the problem, but this was his movie. You know, this was his passion project. And if you watch that, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. You yeah. absolutely should if you have a Netflix account. It, it's it's stunning from beginning to end. Um, one of the best films I've ever seen um, addressing the civil wars in Africa. And of course, Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just that there, too. All right, so I've got some things to to kick around and, and some things to consider. And, and Brian, was it was yours going to be? Let's see, uh, Insidious Chapter Three. Oh no! Oh, I just thought it was random. Um, although I, I did, I, I think Insidious was uh, actually one of the only horror movies I've seen in a long time. Um, now I actually, if I'm going to rank them, I, I think and something that was really underrated this, especially this summer. I love Tomorrowland. I thought it was amazing with uh, George Clooney. You know what? I like Tomorrowland too. I'm glad to hear that from someone else. Yeah, well, I mean, it was one of those movies. I just, I, you got done with it and you just felt good and you felt like you wanted to go create something or do something new. And, and movies don't really do that that often, except for like the Pixar stuff. They don't really inspire that in, in people anymore. And I, I loved it. I, I was ashamed to see that it didn't really do well at the box office. I'm hoping it kicks up with some dvd sales or anything because i thought it was fantastic yeah, bit of a bit of a flop and you know what's funny about that you know i enjoyed the movie too i i enjoyed george clooney i like up in the air and the oceans movies mm-hmm. just like every other human being everything but batman and robin other than that he's great <laughs> right but at least that's a movie you can watch and laugh at you know it's george <laughs> very true that's very george true effect. but you know I, I just you know watching tomorrowland uh, I, I gotta i gotta say like i thought it was a little creepy the like whole relationship thing he has with like the little girl yeah. robot and yeah that part yeah but like over overall solid Brad Bird film yeah I feel bad for Hugh Laurie at the end just what a way what a way to go, way to go. <laughs> yeah that was that was a little drawn out I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching it and just kind of finding all the flaws and just kind of having a good time with it again. So yeah, we'll absolutely. also include a link to that that power rankings uh, list too, and I, and I make sure I'm I'm sure once we have Josh back on and he listens to this episode, he's gonna be like, uh, yeah, we need to talk about this immediately. Uh, so we'll probably talk about it in a, in a week or so. Uh, so you'll probably hear from us again via email or something. Hey, John, how do we do for this part? Uh, Our so, rankings. Uh, we were a little confused about like, is this a documentary? We couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did also want to take the the time to 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 say, like I said, we'll have links to, to everything uh, John Negroni has has talked about with us. Uh, a link to uh, his website, a uh, link to Now Conspiring, uh, a Pixar Detective as well. Uh, that's a free that's a free book, correct, John? Yeah, and well, okay. So with Pixar Detective. Um, that's being re-released actually because it's been professionally ah. edited now, and uh, that's something that I—it's a passion project I did with uh, my now girlfriend Kayla. That's how we met, 
Um, she designed it. I did. I wrote the story. It's three parts. Uh, the first two have been released on iBooks, and they're also eBooks you can get for free. Um, but we're actually working on them again, and we're going to be re-releasing them. So I would hold off. I mean, you can jump in if you want to. They're really rough. <laughs> um, they, they've been kind of like revamped a bit. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a serial fiction I was doing. Like every two weeks, we'd come out with a new chapter, and uh, it was the story that continued uh, what happens to Boo between the time she's a little kid and Sully leaves the door and when she becomes a witch and brave. So it's kind of that story. Her friends, her friend, the Pixar detective tries to find her one day when she goes missing. And, uh, that's where the, that's where the story is. And it ties in every single Pixar movie. I think we even found a way to tie in inside out before it had even been released. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure how it panned out, but yeah, it had a really good following. People loved it. It was, it was one of those fun things I've ever done actually. And so I'm excited to come out with like the full thing, and it's gonna be like actually, you know, good, I guess, or decent. Well, um, right now it's pretty poorly written. We'll get it on the ground floor, still see it in its raw form, and then John, please let us know when it's it's re released. We'll definitely make sure to to give you a nice plug when it's all ready to to come on out. And then the other thing I can tell you guys is is simple. Just go and get the Pixar theory book. Go ahead and give this thing a read. It's it's just amazing. And the, the level of detail and the notes and the way that it's written is just so so fun to read that you you just kind of breeze through it and you're you're just your head is excited with the possibilities that are coming down. So it's very simple. You just go to slimbooks.com slash Pixar Theory. Uh, the book is $7 if you do it in an ebook uh, format. If you want paper and you want physical things, they'll uh, ship it to you for $8. So just a dollar more gets you a physical book. Uh, there's also a link to that on John's website, johnnegroni.com. We'll definitely make sure to, to put that into the show notes. Um, I can't say it enough, John. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, and, thank you. It's a lot of fun. Us. It was a ton of fun, guys. It was a good talk. I feel like we nerded out quite as much as we should have. <laughs> it sounds good. And thank you uh, so much for really explaining the Pixar theory to our fans way better than we could have ever done. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm so grateful that you took the opportunity to talk to us. Really, thank you. I, I hope, I hope it actually helped, and you're not just saying like you were confused, and you're like, oh, I don't want to have to ask questions here. So hopefully, no, hopefully no, seriously, it really helped clear up a lot of issues that I had. Okay, cool. So thank you uh, so much, uh, you listener, uh, for making us your your walk around the neighborhood or your drive to work. Uh, thank you so much for just letting us uh, take an hour of your time. We, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, continue to listen to the That Can Nerd podcast, and hopefully we'll have some amazing guests just like John. Or John, if, if we got some new movies coming out, we'd love the opportunity to have you back on again. Yeah, just, hey, anytime. Thank you so much for listening, guys. You have a wonderful day. By and large, may be evil, but at least they make a good shoe. Well, hang on. Can we just pause? I just got called fascinating. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, you've done you've done right. little to disprove that. <laughs> Guys, we need we need a picture that connects in between a bug's life and monsters. You all right? Who's got it? I need it on my desk by five. Points to John Agroni. You're saying his Pixar theory has saved lives. Yeah, I gotta watch Pitch Perfect too.